welcome to the Kingdom Truth Podcast. On our podcast, we teach the good news of Jesus Christ and biblical principles that empower all people with real-life, timeless applications. I am your host, Bible teacher, Yolanda Tyler. Well, praise the name of the Lord, everybody. We are so glad that you guys could join us on the podcast today. We are blessed to have a beautiful, anointed woman of God joining us. Her name is Tracy Green. I recently heard Tracy speak at a woman's conference. She's a dynamic speaker and she loves the word of God. I realized later that we had two mutual connections, two sisters in Christ. I have been known her cousin, Janet, and one of her prayer partners, Lavelle, for many years. I am so honored that Tracy could join us today on the podcast. Tracy Green was born in Queens, New York, to Oscar and Carrie Taylor. Shortly after birth, she became a resident of Louisiana. Her mother's original home state due to the sudden death of her father. Tracy has been married to the love of her life for 40 years and two months, Jerome Green Sr. Their union has produced two beautiful adult children, Shamika and Jerome Jr. They also have four beautiful grandchildren. As a survivor of childhood and adolescence rape and sexual abuse, Tracy identifies as a person in recovery from a mental health condition as a result of her long-term abuse. Her experience has afforded her the opportunity to taste and see that the Lord is good many times over. She loves to speak of God's goodness at every opportunity. Her journey has allowed her to earn her bachelor's degree in psychology and master's degree in human services counseling post-diagnosis. Today, Tracy is a public speaker, writer, and advocate for spiritual and emotional prisoners to be delivered and set free from their bondages. Thank you so much, Tracy, for joining us today and go right ahead and share your life's journey with us. Good morning, and thank you for having me. So as you've heard, I'm Tracy, and my experience started in my early 20s, just having difficulties with being consistent. And and to anyone else, it pretty much looked like I was just all over the place. But what was happening was that I was experiencing a mental health crisis that was brought on because of my experience in childhood and adolescence. As mentioned, I was sexually abused. Not only that, I was also raised in the home where there was alcoholism, domestic violence, poverty, so many things that contribute to a lot of people having issues later in life and not knowing that it stemmed from their experiences when they were younger. My first diagnosis was depression, severe clinical depression. That's the first thing that we noticed. In addition to that, I was diagnosed a little further in into working on 
um, trying to get me better, get some medication for the depression and working on those issues, which even with medicine, it's not like snap your fingers and then you're better. It's it's a process. For me, it wasn't just medication. It was also going through counseling. It was in the midst of the counseling that we discovered that it was a little more intense than just living with depression. I also was diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder. For short, we call it DID. Anybody who knows anything about it knows that it used to be called multiple personality disorder, but they changed the name to give more clarity, which Honestly, I don't know if it's more or less clarity with the name, but it's because it is a very complex diagnosis. And sadly, the church ran from it. The church would say, in my experience, that, you know, you're demon possessed. Well, it wasn't demon possession. It, it truly was just trauma, a coping mechanism that my brain thought up on its own by the grace of God to keep me in alive, to keep me in survival mode. And so all of this took place about 30 years ago. I've been walking this journey from that time until now and continue to walk it. I still take medication for not only the depression, but anxiety and insomnia. There is not really a medication for dissociative identity disorder. For the disorder, the best solution is walking in healing. And I do that in two ways. I walk through the word of God. Um, God is healing me as well as I have a professional counselor who is walking with me through untangling the web of traumas that created this diagnosis. Amen. Tracy, let me ask you a question. Why is it so important for people who might be experiencing intense sadness and depression to seek help professionally and not just believe what people try to put the labels on them that is demonic or demon possession? Why is that so important for them to look at it from a clinical medical perspective? Thank you for asking I think it's extremely important because for one, you won't get free from it. If it was as easy as just praying and believing God, I would have been healed years ago. Amen. Because I believe in prayer and I believe the word of God. And I know from my experience that it took a lot more. It took being able to look at the traumas again and be able to address them. Because a lot of times when a child is in trauma uh, or experiences trauma, they don't have the capacity. Their brain is not developed enough to be able to process that. And and what we're hearing through science is that the brain is not developed until you're about 25 years old. So you go through any kind of experiences before then, you're not capable of being able to process it. I, you know, one of the tragedies that I see right now is when you have a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old saying, I was born one way, but I know that was a mistake and I want to be a different way. Well, their brains are not capable. You see the same thing with when you hear these young people talking about they want to 
have surgery to correct something when they're 15 and 16. They're not capable yet of processing everything that's going on. And that's why we have parents beyond the age of 25 who can make decisions, you know, from a supposed to be developed brain to help their kids navigate this time in their lives. Amen. I understand. And then let's share, for instance, like sometimes it's hard to find that safe place where you can open up our safe space, either one where you can open up and say, these awful things have happened to me. So how do you find that safe place where it's okay for you to share and overcome the fear of what has happened to start the healing process. That can be difficult, finding that safe place. And also it may take some time and it may take some trial and error. I always encourage people that if it doesn't feel right, if the fit doesn't feel right immediately, then don't give up. Keep working at it until you find that right place for you. Because that you know, it does take trial and error. Everybody that has letters on the back of their name doesn't make them qualified for your situation. So you do need to keep keep probing. I think sometimes the best place to find resources is word of mouth. Someone who has had a positive experience already with someone. So that's a good way. But there are resources galore out there, even for a specific problem that you may have looking for a professional who will help you walk that out. Amen. That is so beautiful. Now, Tracy, when we first talked and visited, you mentioned that there was a label placed on you, the girl whose daddy raped her. And of course, that was one of the things as far as you knowing who you are in Christ and your identity. How did you work that process out? Thank you for asking. So that was just my situation was very public because initially my mother called the police. It was the middle of the night when she saw the abuse as it was happening. And she called the police and the police came. And that was a whole traumatic situation because this was in the late 60s and nobody said anything to the child, which was me. So I was put in a police car and thought I was being taken to jail. I thought I had done something wrong. But in my community, you know, the gossip got around because of the presence of the police. And when I was old enough, to go to school, I was already identified as the girl whose daddy raped her. And so I lived under that label being teased and taunted by the kids. And it wasn't until in my adulthood, I was in a a ministry service. And as the minister was talking, I began crying and not understanding what was going on, but I knew it was the Lord. And so I just released what he was doing in me or allowed that to take place and felt like metaphorically like a label dropped off my forehead. Amen. Yeah. And uh, the Lord shared with me that that label that I had carried all those years, I was now delivered from that. And I no longer needed to identify myself in, in those terms. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I would say, Tracy, and 
let me know if you agree. That was a special encounter that you had with the Lord that he revealed an aspect or an attribute of who he was in your life to know that you're identified with Christ. Tell us of maybe another encounter, for instance, you spoke about Christian retreats where you have had an encounter with the Lord. There have been so many. God is so precious and so infinite. And I know in the Amplified Bible, it talks about having an experiential encounter with God. And it really is. So one time that I encountered God, I was in a church setting and in my mind, I was just uh, worshiping and I could see the Lord coming toward me, uh, walking toward me, just gently approaching me. And I said, stop, don't, because if you uh, touch me, you'll be unclean because I'm unclean. And he, he corrected me. He said, no, baby, when I touch you, you'll be clean because I am clean. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You know, one time you mentioned about when you're in the hospital and you started singing songs and praising the Lord. Tell us about that encounter. So yes, through my journey, I have been hospitalized at least four times. I stopped counting after that. <laughs> um, at least four times for suicidal attempts because this journey is difficult and I have said it before it's not it doesn't go away with the snap of a finger or when you take a pill and so it was a process for me but I was in a hospital at this time a behavioral health hospital at this time and the spirit of the Lord is everywhere glory to God amen glory to God, glory to God. oh wow and on this particular occasion I woke up just worshiping God, and I remember being up and singing, just worshiping the Lord. And one of the techs, an individual who works, you know, in the facility and helps to make sure that all of the uh, patients are safe. And she came into my room and she said, what's going on here? You're singing on this side. And on the other side of the hall is another lady who's praying. What's going on? And I just celebrated the Lord because, you know, Psalms 30, 139 says that no matter where you go, God is there. And yeah. even in this hospital room, God was there. And I just believe that he was blanking both sides of the hall to minister to others who may not have even at the moment recognized that it was God, but it was a an encounter with God that I believe would take them forward and, and especially to this tech. But most importantly, God met me there in that moment. Amen. Absolutely beautiful. Tracy, in one of the articles that you wrote that I read, Triggered by the Lights, red, white, and blue. You spoke about the power of forgiveness and the gift of forgiveness. Share that with us, how you learn to forgive through this process. The article that you mentioned is one of many that I've written. I do a lot of advocacy for mental health because I really want people to know that there's no shame and there should be no stigma with it. None of us volunteered to have a mental health condition. And in this particular article, I was writing about my experience with the police. Like I mentioned earlier, I was put in a police car and I thought I was going to jail. 
um, I had another encounter with the police as an adult dealing with my mental health as well. But what I've discovered and learned and experienced is that God taught me, took me through the process of learning about forgiveness and how that's healing for me. And that I'm not saying when I choose to forgive my perpetrator or perpetrators or the people who've hurt me, that I'm letting them off the hook. That's not my business. That's between them and God. Amen. What I am, what God taught me is that forgiveness is for my healing. And he taught me that in a very unique and beautiful way. And I'd like to share that. The way he told me, because he had to talk really simple and plain for me. He said, it's like you get a cut on your arm and you notice the cut and you, you know, you stop the bleeding and you put a Band-Aid on it. Well, that can be forgiveness. Okay. That's how some people see forgiveness, like just put a Band-Aid on it. But God said, but but that's not true forgiveness. With true forgiveness, you take that same cut, you wipe away the blood, then you cleanse it with some type of antiseptic like peroxide or alcohol or whatever. And then you put an ointment on it and then you cover it up for the healing process to begin. That is true forgiveness. And what he taught me is there have been times where I knew that I needed to forgive, but it hurt so bad. But he said, so ask me to help you invite me into that situation. And so even now today, if I feel like somebody has hurt my feelings or something, I'll say, I choose to forgive them, Lord, help me to forgive them. And so the true process has begun. And I can walk in that. That is awesome. Tracy, at any point, did you have a challenge forgiving yourself? Oh, absolutely. Because no one told me that it wasn't my fault what was happening to me. I took on the responsibility of the abuser, the perpetrator, um, because there wasn't communication, even as I was growing up, as you know, there was no communication. And so everything that I was processing was based on my own perceptions. It wasn't until I got into therapy that someone said it wasn't your fault. Amen. It's okay for you to grieve it. I wasn't even allowed to grieve it, grieve those grievances but yes, that too was part of the process in the healing is learning to forgive myself, not take responsibility for the perpetrator and not feel like I had to win other people's approval. Tracy, I know that you are very much connected to several local and federal organizations. One of them, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Share with the listening audience how these organizations can help them or provide resources for them to help them along the way. Absolutely. It is my privilege to share the organization. We call it NAMI, and it is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And don't let that name scare you. This organization is all over the country, and it's a beautiful organization that was started by a few families in their living room 
who just sought help for their own loved ones who were dealing with mental health conditions. And it grew from there. This is a grassroots organization that is a nonprofit. And so the, the national part of the organization is based in DC, but then every state has its own office. And then locally in the different cities, there are affiliate offices and I am connected on every level, the local, the state and the national level. And the services that they provide are all free to the community. You can look them up at, for the state of Texas, it would be namitexas.org. And then they will help you to connect with your local affiliate organization. And anybody outside of Texas can look up nami.org or nami and your state name.org. And like I said, they provide all of their services free of charge. We are very active in our communities, getting the word out. There are support groups, not only for people with a mental health condition, but for family members as well to know how to deal with it because it's a lot to deal with. And, and those are two separate support groups. They're not together so that everybody has the freedom to share what they need to share. In addition, there are educational classes. There are classes for parents with young children who have a diagnosis. It just runs the gamut. You know, there are classes for veterans, just whatever, wherever you fit in there. NAMI has tried to fill that spot. They have recently just added BIPOC classes, um, uh, services, and BIPOC, if you don't know, are Black and Indigenous, Black, Indigenous, people of color. Yeah, Black and as well as there are classes for Asians, Filipinos. I mean, really, they have the heart to reach everybody so that nobody is without help or support. Wow. Native Americans, Hispanics. It it just, I, I'm really grateful and impressed with this organization. Amen. Yeah. Now, also in your own life, the Lord has helped you or the Lord has birthed a business out of your life struggles. Just tell us a little bit about the Bridge to Success Life Coaching. Yes. So my business uh, is Bridge to Success Strategic Life Coaching Services. And that is because we help people who want to walk from the trauma. Once you get out of that trauma, then it's like a whole new world opens up to you. And so people want coaching to know what now. And so that's where we come in. We help people to answer the question of what now. That's why it's called life coaching, but it encompasses so many things. Like we do marital coaching, we do leadership coaching, we do per parenting coaching and wellness coaching, just a whole lot. We also write curriculum in this business and we also support, uh, how do I say this? We support people who are still walking their journey that have not fully come out, but we don't stand in the space of a professional, licensed professional counselor. We stand in the space of how you can continue to navigate, even alongside a professional, how you can navigate living with a mental health diagnosis, but still have a productive life. Amen. 
And from talking with you, I mean, your recovery process has been just so beautiful. And you share with me that you are a place in your recovery right now where you're able to help others. And that's what Christianity is all about. We're called to serve, to love, to comfort, to encourage, and to bear one another's burdens. So that is such a beautiful place where the Lord have you in the recovery process. And let's just say right now, Tracy, there's someone who's listening and they're trapped. They're trapped in an, any type of abusive situation. They're in a deep, dark depression, or even they might even have been diagnosed with DID and they need help. I would like for you to share with them one verse from the Bible that kept you going through the process and to encourage them. Absolutely. If I had to culminate my experience mm -hmm. in one scripture, I would have to say it would be Psalm 23. Amen. I love that whole chapter, but especially the verse, verse three that says, he restoreth my soul. I, I love the King James Version because of Amen. the poetry I do they speak. Yes, yes. He restoreth my soul. And he is. He has been. And it's a beautiful process to walk along with God. So I want to encourage anybody out there that's in the midst of this is you can reach out for help. There are so many resources out there that want to help you. I am also a part of RAID, which is um, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. And they, too, are out of D.C., but they work with people all over the country. If you go to namitexas.org, there are resources on there where you don't even have to speak to people. Now you can just text in and they'll text you back if you don't want to talk, if you're afraid of identifying yourself, but get the help. Amen. You're worth it. Amen. That is so beautiful. Tracy, would you please close out in prayer? I would absolutely love to. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that brings life. Lord, I'm reminded right now of your word that says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I pray for these dear ones who have been condemned, who felt like they've been beaten by the word rather than accepted by the word. Lord, help them to know that it has been man's interpretation, not God's spirit, because you're a God of love. And it doesn't mean that you don't correct us in a word because you do. But God, for you're hurting and you're wounded, you desire healing and restoration. And so I'm praying right now that they may be able to push past the healing and the wrongness that's been done to them to reach out for help in the name of Jesus and that God, you would guide their steps, order their steps so that they might find the adequate and right healing for their wounds today. In Jesus name, Lord God, I leave your people with this word that I pray that you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. 3 John 2. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. I do appreciate your time and God bless you. Thank you for the invitation. And it was my pleasure to be here. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Truth Podcast with Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler. Please subscribe to our podcast so you will know when the next episode is published. 
To hear more biblical teachings and give to support the ministry, please visit our website at www.thekingdomtruth.org. That is www.thekingdomtruth.org. God bless you until we meet again.